0: Every worship service at Altadena Baptist Church includes an invitation to give your tithes and offerings. Today, lay leader Steve Undrew gave that invitation and prayed, consecrating those gifts to the Lord. Well, you might think of this as a trivial part of a worship service. The church has to raise money to keep up the buildings, pay the pastors. Yeah, I get it. They have to ask. That's not why we have tithes and offerings in our worship service. These are an essential part of worship, going way, way back before the church was founded, way, way back before the temple was established in Israel. Actually, back in Genesis 14, we have the first use of the word tithe. It literally means one-tenth, and it's not explained, only that It was an act of submission by a local king uh, defeated in battle to uh, Abraham, and he gave this tenth as an act of submission. And it seems to be built into nature that there is, of all we use of life, the resources, the land, the home, home that we live in, the food, the air, the water, the energy, actually belong to God. And we should symbolically pay him a rent of 10%. It's kind of the simplest way to look at it. And then the word offerings comes directly from the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, both in the tabernacle and the temple when it was established, where multiple sacrifices were offered of various kinds in that temple worship. Some of these were uh, uh, plant offerings or produce that people had developed, um, but uh, the majority of the ones we read about in the Old Testament have to do with the killing, the slaughter of animals. It's amazing how much of the Old Testament is taken up talking about this. Uh, it is virtually the whole of the book of Leviticus, a uh, good part of the last letter portion of Exodus, parts of Deuteronomy, Chronicles, and throughout the prophets. Hundreds of pages in the Old Testament are dedicated to talking about various kinds of offerings, and they all have different meaning. A burnt offering has one meaning, a peace offering another meaning, and a sin offering a third meaning. These are all important to the worship of Israel in the Old Testament. So, when we say that we're going to give our tithes and offerings as part of our worship, there's a whole history behind those two words the history of the faith of the people of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, it appears uh, from the other religions of the ancient world that this is not just an obligation of the Israelites in their worship or Of people in modern churches in their worship, but it is also part of being a human person. You owe these things to God, to the environment, to society. Uh, That's part of learning how we fit into the universe, and it becomes part of our worship. Well, we've looked at aspects of worship over the last few weeks and we talked first about awe before God or appreciation of God or adoration of God. You see, when we come into God's presence for worship, we have to put a lot of petty view of him aside. Uh, it used to be that people were sensitive about using God's name in vain, but it's all over the place. People are just putting OMG everywhere and it's, it's just a, a, a word that's spit out as part of conversation. So part of worship is just getting our minds straight and, and acknowledging that it is before the God of the universe that we have come. He's not someone who has a throwaway name or a throwaway nature. He is someone to be reckoned with. So awe before God is the first response in worship. Secondly, we talked about truth about God. God has revealed himself. So there are words that we speak as part of our worship, words from scripture, words from Christian creeds, words uh, from a sermon. All of these are expressing truth about God that we can learn beyond the truth that we see in nature and just in everyday life itself. So there is awe before God, then truth about God spoken in worship, and then there is truth about ourselves, and that's where confession fits in. That's what we talked about last week, confession of our sins, but even before confession of our sins, confession of our humans, our finitude, the fact that we are limited creatures. On top of that, we have sinned against God. And all of this is confession. Now notice, in all of these three aspects of worship, awe before God, acknowledging him for who he is, the truth about God is revealed in the scriptures, the truth about ourselves. Each time we're widening a gap, awe widens the gap between us and God. Learning new truths about God, widens the gap even farther. And looking at the truth about ourselves in confession creates a gulf that can seem too wide to bridge. Is that what worship's about? Well, there's another part of worship, and that is the part about closing the gap, about bridging the gap. That's where offerings come in. The tithes and offerings are a little clue to it in our worship service. But it's, of course, a lot more than that. The distance between God and worshiper has to be acknowledged. Now, idolatry makes the distance between God and humans manageable by reducing God to an image of some sort. That was uh, abhorrent in the Old Testament. God does not want to be managed, and he doesn't want to be reduced to an idol, or to some smaller concept. And we reject that approach to God. A God, actually a God who is manageable, can't help us. We need a God who can manage, who can manage us, and who can manage our troubles and manage our universe. So when we adore God in awe, When we speak the truth about God as he's revealed himself, when we confess the truth about ourselves, all this leads to the acknowledgement of the great gap. And the offering or sacrifice that God provides for us is the beginning of closing that gap, of bridging that gap. The offerings in the Old Testament are very elaborate. A dictionary definition of a sacrifice is a religious rite in which an object is offered to a deity in order to establish, maintain, or restore a right relationship of a human being to the sacred order. It is a complex phenomenon that has been found in the earliest known forms of worship in all parts of the world. You see, every being and every group of people from primitive to complex and modern has sensed the gap between God and man and has tried to figure out how to bridge that gap. And God gave the sacrificial system in the Old Testament to teach the Jewish people how to bridge that gap. Well, unfortunately, and it's offensive to me and to most modern people. A major part of that was the sacrificing of animals. Animals were sacrificed routinely, hundreds a day in the temple. There was constantly a smoke going up from the burning of a sacrifice on one of the altars in the great temple in ancient days. What did the sacrifice mean? Well, most basic and most obvious and what comes to our mind is the animal is being killed instead of me. I deserve to be killed. this animal is being killed in my place. the appeasement of god's anger this is we uh, uh, Judaism had this in common with all the religions around them. The sacrifice of animals was not a new thing with Israel's religion, but it was interpreted in new ways. So there are dimensions beyond that that are built into the sacrifice of an animal. One, one thing is you deserve to be killed. Secondly, though, you owe God a great deal. And we've talked about this in discussing the tithes and offerings in the Old Testament. This animal, the best of your flock, is to be brought to God the firstling, the first fruit of your crop. All of this is gratitude for the rain, the sun, the life. So this is another meaning of the sacrifice. You owe God a great deal. And this young animal without blemish, I'm giving it to you to show that I acknowledge I owe you a great deal. But there's a third meaning that comes through this as well. There is this meaning, you are worth more than this animal. In a sense, the killing of an animal for humans and sacrifice is, it is just a small part of why animals die in this world. Animals are sacrificed every day so that you may live, unless you're a, a consistent vegan. And I s- suppose there are ways in which they're dependent on animal sacrifice as well. But how many animals die in slaughterhouses so that you can eat? Every one of those animals is a miracle. But this sacrifice is saying, you are a more important miracle, that the animal dies for you. All of those meanings are kind of interwoven In the sacrificial system described in the Old Testament. It's a very interesting study, but it's not practiced today. There are little corners of the world where there are still animal sacrifices, but not in Judaism or Christianity. In Judaism, there are no more annual animal sacrifices because there's no more temple, and only in the temple sacrifices be made and the temple was destroyed in 70 after Christ and for the last almost 2,000 years there has not been uh, a legitimate animal sacrifice in Judaism. Christianity, there is no animal sacrifice because of Jesus. It is because Jesus was God's once-for-all sacrifice. Jesus was the sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. Let me read a series of New Testament passages that dramatically express the difference Jesus makes. John 1.29 John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he says, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. What what an awesome statement about Jesus. This image that we're showing is very dramatic. It's entitled Lamb of God, and it's an image of Christ by a 17th century artist. Just a lamb with its legs tied, helpless. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in First John one: seven, the apostle says, "If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin." Romans three twenty three and twenty five All have sinned. We all owe God a sin offering. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift, his gift to himself, as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. And then in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul writes, God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, while the gap was still wide, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. And then in Hebrews Possibly one of the latest uh, written reflections on the meaning of Christ's death. He writes quite a bit about the replacement of the one sacrifice of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for all the sacrifices of the temple. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. It was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. And then in Hebrews 8, the next chapter, in speaking of a new covenant, verse 13, in speaking of a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete is growing old and will soon disappear. And then in chapter nine of Hebrews, verse 24, Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the salvation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all. At the end of the age, to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. And then in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 19, Therefore, my friends, This reality of the once-for-all sacrifice is the message of the New Testament. And in our worship services, we try to bridge the gap that is created when we stand in awe of God, reflect on the truth about God, think about the truth regarding ourselves, a great gap, and we fill that gap with gifts that God has given to us, acknowledging through our tithes and offerings how much we owe him. Some worship services add incense, a sweet smell offered to God. Our posture of kneeling in prayer may be a reflection also of our submission of ourselves and giving of ourselves. But the real gift The real gift, the real sacrifice is Jesus Christ, God's Son, and lifting up the name of Jesus as Savior. Every time we do that in our worship service, we're bridging the gap. We're filling the distance between God and us, or better yet, He has filled the gap with the gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why a cross is central in our sanctuary. That's why we always name the name of Christ in all of our prayers. And that's why once a month, we pause for this special celebration that we call the Lord's Supper. Based on what Jesus himself did in establishing that last meal with his disciples, and Paul reflected in 1 Corinthians 11, that he's passing on to his followers and down through them to us, what the Lord Jesus gave to his apostles. That night when he was betrayed, and took a loaf of bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body for you. Remember me when you do this. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time you eat this bread, you drink this cup. You remember how God filled the gap with the greatest final sacrifice, his own son. Thank you, Lord, for such a great, wonderful gift. Totally undeserved. In this, we worship you. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon. But if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer.org at AOL.com and again as always we pray God's blessings on you this week